All right, guys, we have something to announce um, from Vicky Bakery now that things are starting to open back up again. So all Vicky Bakery locations are back and opened at normal times. Each location is following all safety guidelines, including all employees are required to wear masks and gloves at all times. In addition, all customers must wear masks when in the bakery and the six feet apart rule is in place at all locations. Yeah, and make sure to check out our newest location that just opened up in Palmetto Bay and make sure to head to vickybakery.com as we are shipping pastelitos de guayaba, pastelitos de queso, and pastelitos de guayaba and queso nationwide. Uh, make sure to follow Vicky Bakery on Instagram and Twitter at Vicky Bakery and like their page on Facebook. Vicky Bakery, guess sweet it is. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to TSF Talk. It's your boy, Blee. Yo, yo, yo. It's your boy, Rob. Welcome back here to another episode. And today we got a special one for you guys. We had an interview with Denim Richards. Um, Denim is an incredible actor and director as well. And we've had an awesome time talking to, talking to him today. Um, I, keep, I feel like I keep saying this every single time we do an interview, but yeah. it was just incredible. Like, Denim was super down to earth, like one of the most genuine people we've had the, the honor of talking to. And I feel like everyone should really check out this interview, not just because we wanted you guys to listen to it, obviously, but um, we touched upon like many different important topics that we feel like are happening in today's world and, and society. Um, and a lot of important issues like that, that just people should be aware of and, and should, should know about. Um, and then, we, of course, we'll talk about Denim and his career and, and a couple of things about his life. But overall, I just had a, a blast talking to him. He, an amazing guy. Um, he immediately became a fan of his, like just talking to him and getting to know him. It was just incredible. Rob, what, what were your thoughts on it? Nah, bro. Like you said, like the, I feel like the interviews, they just keep getting better and better. Like we've had the, like blessing the interview, like such like good people. Like not only like they're not only good at what they do, they're like what they're known for. But they're overall like good-hearted people, and right. Denim man, like you guys will hear it in the interview, like he's such a genuine like good-hearted person. Like he he says it a lot. Like he he keeps it real. He's not afraid to like share what he believes, which I think like more people should be like that. I feel people sometimes are scared of of like people judging them based on their opinions. But man, Denim's just like such an impressive like person. Um. Bro, I was, like, blown away. Like, he's an incredible guy. Like, it was an honor to, like, get to talk to him. He's a real guy. He's not, like, yeah, he's an actor. But, like, you guys are going to, like, you guys, when you hear the interview, you're going to tell, like, oh, wow, like, he's just a normal guy. You know what I mean? Like, right. he, he focuses more on being, like, a great person than on being an actor or being a celebrity, which I think that's amazing, too. And, yeah, and make sure to check him out June 21st for the season three premiere of Yellowstone on Paramount. And also go to his Instagram, click the link in bio. His Instagram is at Denim Richards. And yeah, he has a book. You click on it in the link in the bio there and you should check out that book too. But yeah, it was just like, bro, I, I was blown away. Yeah, I feel you, bro. Like when we, me and Rob spoke a bit after the interview when we did it and we were both like just speeches for a little bit. Like it was just incredible talking to him. And yeah, like Rob said, guys, be sure to check out his book, which is linked in, in his bio. Um, it's an incredible book. He touches, he touches upon so many important topics and, um, yeah, like you'll hear it in the interview, but it's just an incredible book. Highly recommend it to everyone. Um, I, I'm going to read it like pretty soon as well. So highly recommend it. And yeah, overall, just an incredible time. We hope you guys enjoy this episode we had with, with Denim Richards. For sure. And also you could check him out like on the Freeform show, uh, Good Trouble, which is a spinoff of the Fosters. He plays the character Elijah. So you could check him out there too. And another thing I wanted to shout out, uh, Rachel Huzini, 
from the PR machine who actually like reached out to us uh, so we could do an interview with Denim. Like shout out to her. It was amazing. Like like uh, emailing her like back and forth. Such a good like person to work with. And but yeah, I hope you guys enjoy this interview, man. I think everyone's gonna love it. For sure. Thank you to Denim and your entire team. You guys have have been incredible this throughout this process and this entire time. Yes, sir. Enjoy the interview, guys. Well, I'm excited to I'm excited to be able to have this you know conversation with you guys and dive into whatever you guys want to talk about in my open book. So you know, let's uh let's do it. Sounds great. Sounds let's great. Let's do it. Let's yeah. do it, man. Yeah. So uh, Rob, do you want to start us off here? Yeah, I'll start it off. I'll start it off. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So Denim, real quick, you know, we have a couple of questions about you and your career. Um, yeah. And that's pretty much how it'll run. It's it'll be pretty smooth, and we're just excited to hear from you. Yeah. Dope. Let's do it. All right, Rob. All right. All right, man. So, yeah, welcome to TSF Talk. Uh, thank you for taking the time to, to talk to us today, Denim. So we're going to start off here. Uh, tell us about someone or something that inspired you to want to become an actor and, and a director. Always, um, I've always been a part of the entertainment kind of vibe. I, I think it started when I was five years old. Um, at a school I was with, I have this, which you will see by the end of this interview. Um, I'm very long winded and I always talk. Um, and so <laughs> when I was five, I would, they would always you'd be in all these, you know, you know, the little crappy plays that you'd always be in and they would right. be like, okay, you know, so you just go to this place at, when they say this, you just stand here and just do that. And so then they would, it would happen. And then I would just do whatever I wanted. And it would just be like, why did you do that? And I'm like, I don't know. I just felt it. And so after a while, it was like, and then I would always sing and all these other things. And so there was going to be this performance at the school that I was, and it was going to be this really big thing. And they were like, hey, why don't you sing? And I was five. And so my parents were like, well, I mean, it's something for him to do. Um, and so I did it. And it was like in front of like 600 people or something like that. It was like a really big deal for a five-year-old, right? Right, right. You know, I got to wear like a suit and all those other things. And um, and after that, I loved it so much because I loved to see like how affected people were, you know, to see the smiles and all those. And so ever since then, I've just always had a uh, propensity for wanting to like change people emotionally for, you know, a positive way. Um, and so that kind of just started me on my kind of entertainment career. It wasn't like I grew up in television or film. It was, you know, I did theater and then musical theater and then opera and then and then just slowly kind of progressed into doing all these other things. And then, um, you know, just within the last like year or so, I was like, you know, I really would like to, um, you know, try this directing thing out and see what that's like. Um, very, very stressful, very difficult, um, but so rewarding. So, you know, it's, it's always just been a kind of an accumulation of, you know, most of my life has just kind of been leading up to where we are now. That's awesome, man. Yeah, it's definitely awesome to hear. And yeah, later on, we're going to talk about, you know, directing the short film, The Zoo, which we'll yeah. talk about later. But that's, that's so exciting yeah. to hear, man, for sure. Well, thank, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, so now we want to get into, get into the show Yellowstone, which you know you're a part of. So yes. we want to ask you, how have you enjoyed your experience working on, on Yellowstone? And what's your favorite thing about being Kobe in Yellowstone? Well, uh, the experience of Yellowstone has been, I mean, it's so, it's, it really is a once-in-a-lifetime thing. You don't really see... Um, you don't really see like Westerns, you know, that often anymore. You don't really get the, the kind of the, 
the ranch vibe, the horse vibe, the whole cowboy, you know, thing. You just don't see that every day on television. Right. And so it's been such a rewarding and tremendous experience because it also helped me kind of tap into a different part of the world in America, if you will. Um, and before I was on Yellowstone, I had done a film called Chickasaw Rancher, where I also played a cowboy, but it was a period piece. Um, and so that was a story about Native Americans and African Americans, you know, during the, you know, the early, like, was like 1865. Um, and so it kind of like that started on the pathway. And then, you know, one thing kind of led to another. And Taylor Sheridan is the, you know, the creator and visionary of Yellowstone, uh, you know, gave me the shot to just kind of go in and just do what I do. Um, you know, so I, it's been a tremendously rewarding, you know, experience. And to be on the show with so many amazing, you know, actors, and obviously everybody knows Kevin Costner and what that's yeah. like. And, you know, and you always, you know, it's funny because you, you see him, you see him in all these movies and you never, there's never anything in your mind that thinks that you would ever be working with him in any capacity, right? Like, yeah. you know, there's what, in what world would that ever make any sense? Um, but he's been such a uh, amazing person to learn from as well. You know, even in with the other cast, you know, it's like we have Cole Hauser and Kelly Riley. And, you know, we have so many, Wes Bentley, we have so many amazing artists, Gil Birmingham. So it's really been like a masterclass, you know, of being able to kind of see people that you've watched their career over the course of you trying to climb up your career and now kind of getting to be with them so often and learn from them. It's been, it really has been such a tremendous experience. And so, you know, getting ready to um, at some point go back to doing uh, season four as season three is mm -hmm. getting ready to come out. It's just, you know, it's, it's really been an amazing ride, man. You know, and I, I'm just really, really fortunate, very, very blessed. Not for sure. Yeah, I literally, like, I started watching it a couple of days ago, and I, I really love it. And, but yeah, it must be an absolute honor to work with, like, an all-time great and, uh, and Kevin Costner, man. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a fun thing, you know, and he's, you know, he's as advertised, you know, straight professional, you know, very, very warm and all those things, you know. And so that's the cool thing about the show is that Taylor picked you know, his people that he really wanted because he knew that they would be able to bond and gel, you know, and part of being able, in my opinion, to put on a really good show or a good film is you have to be able to get a really good ensemble of people that really buy in um, and can do it for, you know, the long haul, you know, and that's the whole goal. Every time you do something on television, you hope it goes on for as long as it possibly can. Uh, so, you know, it really has been such an amazing thing to be a part of something for so long. You know, and after this, everything's just a crapshoot. You know, it's like, it is what it is after this. It's like, I did it. <laughs> Not for sure. <laughs> yeah, so, Denim, what did it feel like to be named a series regular for season three? Yeah, that was, a, you know, again, when, you know, I talk about how blessed, the Most High has blessed me in so many different ways. And, you know, it really shows uh, to me, it's about kind of just being obedient, you know, and just following the, the path that you're supposed to, to follow everything in its due season. You know, and I think that part of it, it, it was a, it was an emotional kind of opportunity because it's never been, I never got into entertainment at all for like celebrity and all these. I just, it's, it's never been my thing. It's just because I've always just wanted to affect people positively. And so I think it was just, it, it felt like you were being um, like looked at, you were, you were being seen, you know what I mean? That you were it was like a way of being able to be like, dang, like you have, you have value in a completely different way. Um, and that, you know, and that's a beautiful thing, especially, you know, because it's not like I had a straight shot to being 
successful. And I use that in quotes because I have no idea what that means to anybody because it's suggested to everyone. Mm -hmm. um, but that was a big, you know, it was a big thing for me because you, when you, as you start to kind of tap into entertainment, because it is an industry, so it is a business. Right. And so when you get into it with every business, you want to feel valued. You want all these other things, but you have to also with entertainment, you also have to redefine your wins and losses because you can't, you go, I mean, I don't know. I'm tens of thousands of auditions, probably. I don't know. 10,000, who knows, <laughs> but it's like, and how, and how many of those have I gotten? Right. <laughs> like, so, but you, if you were to say like, I'm just losing all the time, then you're, you're going to be so messed up mentally. You know what I mean? So you have to be able to learn something. And part of this is about the obedience. It's about like, look, you're given the opportunities, maximize your opportunities whenever you get them. And no matter what happens, like talent can never be suppressed. Truth can never be suppressed. Um, you know, and so the more that it actually is suppressed, it ultimately just gets pushed to the surface. And so this was a part of the thing where, you know, being on there as a reoccurring, you know, for seasons one and two, and then just them, it kind of came out of nowhere being able to be, you know, upgrade the series regular. Like I said, I'm like, well, there's really not that much I need to do after this. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, you know, good, bad, or indifferent. If I never, if I were to never work in entertainment again, like I did it, you know, and that was something that based on kind of my background and where I came from is probably not something that anybody would think that I would be able to do. Um, you know, and so that's a tremendous blessing, but that has nothing to do with me. That's just the most high, you know. Definitely, my sure, Congrats man. to you. Well deserved. Well, no, thank you. I appreciate that. Appreciate it. All right, so so I'm a huge like fan of One Tree Hill, so I have to mm -hmm. ask like, what's it like working with Ke Kelsey Asbill, who yeah. she was Gigi in One Tree Hill, and she's mm -hmm. Monica in Yellowstone. <laughs> yeah, man, Kelsey is so amazing, so sweet. You know, it's like, you know, and, and that's again like you know we were talking about earlier. It's like you see all of these people that you have worked with or seen before. And then you never imagine any type of world where you would ever work together. And especially if the world were to exist, you definitely wouldn't think it would be like a cowboy or anything like the Western <laughs> thing. But man, she is so sweet. She's so amazing, you know, and so talented. Um, but more than that, you know, because it's like she's not just an actress. She's not just a model. You know what I mean? Like she's a she's a beautiful human being who really cares and has that type of empathy, you know. And I think that that's something that, oftentimes just as artists in general, you, we kind of tend to kind of box them in because it's like, that's what we see, you know, but there was like, there's so much more to them. There's so much more depth. And, you know, so being able to spend time and have dinners and just vibe and do all those other things is awesome, you know, and to see somebody that has been, you know, successful at doing what they've been doing for as long as she's been doing it, at the age that she started in and to still be so humble and so appreciative. That's something that I really think people should spend more time focusing on as well because it really is, you know, it can be a difficult thing sometimes. Like, you know, you, if you're not careful, this thing will get to your head and you kind of self-destruct. And so being able to see people that are able to find that balance, you know, is very, very beautiful. And she's really kind of a shiny example of being able to really balance that out. No, that's amazing to hear, man. That makes me so happy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's great. Yeah, I love how you mentioned, you know, having the dinners with like your fellow cast members and things like that. I feel like that's such an underrated part of what you guys do. And that I feel like that adds to the longevity of the show and, and right. the entire experience. Yeah, well, you know, and the, and the, the interesting thing about this is, you know, like a lot, most shows are kind of filmed usually in a big city, right? They're on a studio, they're on a stage. Mm -hmm. And so usually what happens is you go to the set and then when you're done with set, you go home. So you go home yeah. to 
if you have a family, but wherever you are, you're going back to your place of residence. And so for us, because we don't shoot in our home states, you know, we're all coming from different parts of the country into a different state. We've kind of become our own community, you know, mm -hmm. so we're going bowling together on the weekends. We're spending time, you know, we're having the dinners. We're, you know, having kickbacks at the houses or at the cabins, wherever we are, it doesn't matter. But like, so it really does kind of, you vibe in a different way. It's not something that you're like flicking on and flicking off. You know what I mean? Which right. is something that's hard because you're always kind of compartmentalizing. But for us, it's like, we're kind of with each other for like several months. Um, and it's really nice and beautiful because we know how everybody works and we can kind of see, but it's awesome to be able just to go out as not only, it's not like cast members, we're going out as friends because we are genuinely are actually, you know, friends and we check on each other, you know, and do all those other things. And I think that, you know, Taylor being the creator and the visionary of this show and the writing that he's done, but his ability to see people and be able to come up and get people that are not only the best at what they do, but are also that buy into each other, that don't come with egos, that don't come with all these other things you have to constantly manage. That's something that's beautiful as well. And that also helps too, in my opinion, the longevity of people not only wanting to be in the show, but people that want to be on the show because they kind of sense that different kind of family feel, um, which I think is a really beautiful thing and kind of something that you just don't see very often. Right. For sure. Hearing the, the band that you guys have, like, have, it makes me want, like, love the show even more. Like, I love hearing that. <laughs> well, I can't wait to, you know, season three obviously will come out, uh, you know, uh, Father's Day, so June 21st, I believe, which is Sunday. Um, and so yeah. it, there's going to be such a... For people that can catch up on, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's on Amazon and all these other things. But this going into this third season, there's going to be so many amazing storylines and uh, really going to kind of get into more of the emotional side of these characters as well. Whereas the seasons one and season two, where, you know, there's emotion, but we're really going to like get in. You know what I mean? It's like it's a real like let's get in the heart, let's get in the soul, let's get into the spirit. So I think it's going to be a real treat for people to kind of see us in a completely different light, still having the action and the fun, but really just seeing how we're impacted. I think it just humanizes us a little bit more in the character. So it's going to be a really, really fun thing for everyone to be able to see. Not for sure. For sure. Yeah, that's dope. <laughs> I'm excited for that. <laughs> it's, it's going to be great, man. Yeah. All right, Denim. So the next question we have for you is a two-part question. So we want to talk about um, your role in Good Trouble. So what was your favorite thing about being Elijah? in Good Trouble, and what was it like working with Maya Mitchell? Oh, man. Well, you know, it's funny. So, uh, the, like, let's see, what was it? Maybe 2012, I was doing background on a show that shot at the same stage that Good Trouble was shooting at. And I remember wow. I was on, I can't remember, I was like, I was on the set, and it wasn't, it wasn't, I wasn't doing background for the Fosters. It was another show. I think it was like Switch to Birth or something like that. Um, and so I remember being on the thing and I was like, man, like there's all of these teenagers or adults that are like me or whatever that, you know, and imagine what it would be like to kind of be in this type of environment and you don't ever know what it's going to be, but it just shows the power of manifestation and all these other things. And so this was in 2012. And so when it was still like ABC family. And so I had kind of, when I got out of the background thing after probably like a year later and kind of did my own thing, I was actually in, I hadn't heard of Good Trouble. And cause I didn't, I hadn't really watched anything on Freeform or anything. And I was actually in Dubai on just a vacation cause my friend had a wedding in India. So I went from India to Dubai just to see what Dubai was all about. And I was in the mall and I saw this sign and I saw 
I saw Mitchell on there and I was like, oh, like, oh, look, like, you know, there's, and I was like, oh, there's this show Good Trouble because I know that they're on Fosters. And I was yeah. like, what's this show Good Trouble? Like, never even heard of it. And so I come back, this is in January. And then I come back in the middle of January and then I'm auditioning for the show Good Trouble wow. like wow. a month <laughs> later. And so then getting onto the show. So it just kind of is like this, this weird, like full circle thing. So, you know, coming onto the show and then the way that I was coming onto the show was like, you're coming on and you're playing a role that you never expected to play. You just never, I just never thought of it. It wasn't that I was necessarily against it or, or anything. It was just, you, you don't think about it, you know? And so you kind of get on and you're like, wow, this is a really great opportunity to really show a completely different experience, you know, to the human, to the human experience and to do all this. And then you get on the show and the, they're so amazing and they're so warm. And I mean, it's not just, it's not just her, it's, you know, it's Sierra, it's Zuri, it's, you know, it's Tommy, it's all of these. I mean, they're so amazing. It's the, the creator, Joanna Johnson and Bradley and Peter, you know, these writers and these creators of the show, they're so warm and so welcoming that it was like, and a lot of them, you know, they have been together for so many years, especially back from the foster. So it's like this mm. built-in family. But when wow. I got onto the show, you would never know that I had never met them before or had ever been around them before. It was just like, oh, hey, like, and you're just like here and like, this is our get down and this is what we do. And it was like, dang, like, this is dope. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, it's just like, you just talk and you share your experiences and they accept you for how you are and want you to bring what your experiences are. And there's nothing that's like off limits, you know? And I think that that's another beautiful part because it was something that I never really experienced. I never had seen before. Um, and especially after playing, you know, these cowboy roles, you know, and these like things to be able to kind of go into more of a like modern day, you know, current situation and more of like the metropolitan type of uh, area, if you will, as far as like, you know, current events. Um, it was really kind of a cool switch up, you know, like completely different, completely separate of who Denim is as a person, you know, and all <laughs> these other things. And so that was a, that was part of the beautiful thing. So they're just all beautiful people to work with. Um, you know, and I wish them nothing but the best in all the things that they're doing because they really are, you know, affecting a lot of people. And that's a beautiful thing. That's yeah, awesome to hear. Yeah, it, sound, it sounds like you've been able to work with like such great people, bro. That's a blessing. <laughs> it, it, no, it really is, you know. And so I've been, I've, and I just feel like I always feel grateful. This is none of this stuff is just me just having the opportunity to show, you know, what obedience can do and what it is to just, just stay your course. You know what I mean? Like, don't don't try to look and be like oh this person's got this so i gotta do this because then you always are changing yourself to fit the idea of something else and it's like mm -hmm. i would rather just be who i am and see how far that gets me than trying to constantly switch it up and switch it up and switch it up because then you do that and you're like i don't even know who i am you know it's like now you've gotten all these things that you thought but you had to like tear away all the pieces of who you are in order to get there and then what was the point you know, and so it's so much Great. more rewarding to just be able to say, like, I've been, you know, able to stay true to who I am and being able to be a part of people that have gravitated towards that and have given me the opportunity to, you know, share my voice in that way. And so it is really a tremendous blessing. Not for sure. All right. So you, you mentioned this, like, brief, uh, talk to us about the Chickasaw Rancher and your character, Jack Brown. Yeah, so uh, Chickasaw Rancher, really, really great film. Can't wait for it to come out. Um, I, I have no idea when it's going to come out, but I promise you at some point it will. <laughs> I believe so. 
so I actually did do it. Um, <laughs> but it, it was, again, it was such an amazing thing because as an actor, one of the things I always wanted to do was play like a real life character, you know, like somebody that actually existed. Cause I really wanted that challenge. I really wanted to see like, what would that be like to actually have to research somebody else's life and try to embody those characteristics. And so I was able to be blessed enough because again, it's like seed time and harvest. It's all these things that kind of become an accumulation and of just everything of who you are. And so I remember going to the audition. It was like, you know, it's this guy, Jack Brown, he has to be able to ride horses, but he also has to be able to sing. He has to be able to, you know, shoot firearms and be able to do cattle. And it was just like, I, I, I do all of those things, you know, like, <laughs> great. You know what I mean? Like, oh, so you're talking about me. You're not talking about Jack Brown. You're talking about Dead and Richards. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I was being able to kind of go in there and just have that opportunity to tell like a real life story of Montfort T. Johnson who is a Native American or Native in how use that like Lucy because we all know that that's not how it actually is supposed to be. But right. so for people to understand that's what we're going to go with. Um, to be able to show the relationships between, you know, the, the originators of being here and African-Americans, it was really a beautiful thing. And of course, like how relevant it starts to become in today's society as well you know, and being able to tell this story of the relationships that you, that we have all gone through, you know, that, that these cultures have always been either together in some form, but have done such great things. And it was a real life story. He was Oklahoma's first sharecropper. And I'll, I'll tell you that one of the most powerful things I've ever had in my entire life was we had a day where um, it was, so there wasn't a lot of information on Jack Brown. There was a very, very minute part. And that's unfortunately a lot of with you know black history there it just kind of gets suppressed and you really have mm. to dig um and so that was a hard part but it was also kind of nice because then you could kind of like utilize some of the things that you had already felt and just go with it but a really really powerful thing that i had no idea so we're sitting on set one of these days and they're like hey you know this is a friends and family day and i was like sitting there in the thing and i was like so that's cool like everybody from the show or from the film is going to bring their friends and family and do it and they're like, no, no, no. What, what we mean with Friends and Family Day is that everybody today that's going to come and be background in this scene are all relatives of Monfort T. Johnson and Jack Brown. Wow, And so that's crazy. they had flown them out from all these different places in the U.S. to come and be a part of this. Now, because there wasn't so many, there wasn't like, a tremendous amount of people that Jack Brown was connected to in that thing that they were able to tie to. So I was like, what? And so then there was these two ladies and it was her, his great, great granddaughter and his great granddaughter. And I remember I was like, so wait, they're here. And like, Oh yeah, they came in from Maryland and they're so excited. And they just, so they want to meet you. And I was like, want to meet me? Like, <laughs> I was like, I want to meet them. Like, are you kidding me? You know, cause before this, I had just gone to his uh, gravestone that was like in the middle of nowhere in Oklahoma like oh, wow. literally like off the road and under the thing, you got to jump over fences and go through barbed wire. Like it's a whole thing. No way. Um, just out in the middle of nowhere. And so I had just done this. And so then to be like, to see them. And so then when they saw me and I was in my gear or whatever, and they just started crying. Cause they're like, you look exactly like him. And it was wow. just such an, and so to see them emotional and all these other things. And you really felt this sense of, you know, that connection to your ancestors and the things that they have done to, so that you could get here and the things that they've endured so that we can have an opportunity to hopefully maybe one day possibly 
tell their story, you know? And so, and that's always what I've been about. Like at the core of all my purpose here as a vessel is to not just exist and to not just be a person, but to actually do something, actually like connect our ancestors and show that they didn't go through the persecutions and all these other things for not that they did it so that we could remember them and honor them in this way. And so being able to do that and be able to share that with them, the fact that they wanted to share that with me um, was so humbling. And for that to be like my first co-starring film, it was like, well, I've done it. Like, I was like, well, what else is there to do? Like, (laughs) I was like, if this is the only film that I ever am a co-star in, I'm good. You know what I mean? Like, like, uh, there it was, you know, just check the, check that off the thing and I'm, I'm, I'm good to go, <laughs> you know, so really, really excited to share that when it comes out, you know, but again, it just shows, you know, the seed time and harvest and I've had such an interesting route and an interesting path and as my life has continued on, it just becomes more and more clear that, you know, you kind of get set apart in these different things and you get this opportunity to do things that no one ever even expected you to do or even tell people stories that they never even knew existed. That's amazing to hear, bro. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, definitely, man. So our next question, we, we briefly touched on it earlier as well. It relates to um, the zoo, which you yeah. um, co-wrote and directed. So we yeah. want to ask you, um, talk to us about that, about the movie and about some inspirations for that movie. Oh, man. Oh, how much time do you have? Well, let's get in. Uh, <laughs> hey, we're on your time, man. You, you However know, much you want to uh, tell us. <laughs> you know, um... Man, the zoo. So the zoo is about, uh, so the way that it started, and again, I've always been very, very connected to the most high. Um, this is how it always is. I'll never, ever take any credit for any of the things that I do. The Yes, like, yes, I penned it. Yes, I created the idea, but the ideas did not come from me. These things were dropped into me, and this is just me being obedient to it. And that's just 100. Um, because I'm not capable as flesh to be able to do any of this like this. Um, and so really what it was, was, uh, 2012, this is the best in how long the process has been. Wow. Um, 2012, I was watching the movie, um, Schindler's List. And at the end of Schindler's List, there's like this scroll that was like, you know, 7 million, you know, Jews killed and such and such and such and such. And, you know, you're like, dang, that's crazy. And then it dawned, it was just like, cause I'm very, very been big on questions. And I was that annoying child that every time you would say something, I would ask why until you would just say, because then that's just the way that it is. And then I would then of course say, why? You know, because I always was like, I don't ever accept just because as a thing. Um, and so it, again, n- nothing changes. Um, and so it really started with, I was like, man, I wonder if there were any people of color that were around during that time, because I had known that, you know, Europe was a Mecca for, you know, dancing and singing and jazz and opera. And a lot of people of color had fled America to go over to France and to all these other places to hopefully have just a less prejudiced point of view, you know, and as well as there was so many of our soldiers from America that couldn't even, that they wouldn't even allow them to serve in their for their country here even though they they weren't serving a cause that had anything to do with them but that they just felt like it was safer for them to be in war than it would for them to be on the stoops of Harlem, right like this is where we are with it and so you had all these british soldiers and all these other people that were of color and so i was like imagine if we could find somebody that was in that that was you know that experienced that and so it just started me on this this rabbit hole on this path and finally i found you know, a picture of a black man 
and a Jewish guy and they're sitting on a, a milk carton or, you know, a milk canister in a concentration camp and then started reading all these accounts of like, oh yeah, you know, there were several black people here and there were this and there was this and you're like, okay, we have something here. And so the film, so it originally started with the feature film that I have is called The Forgotten Ones and that's what it's about. But the zoo specifically centers around the men of color who during that time of Europe and Germany, um, if you will, and during the rise of World War II, um, were captured and they were tested on because they were also during the same time were going into Africa and pillaging every single thing in Africa and just pillaging all of it and taking everything that Africa had. Wow. And for all these different, so what you would get was you would get all of these different countries from around the world that would go into a country in Africa and split it all up which is why you have all these different cultures in Africa. There's like, you have West Africa, you have a lot of people that speak French, you know, and then in South Africa, you have a lot of British, you know, so you, all of these different countries were going in there because they were taking the diamonds, they were taking the minerals, they were taking, like everything that you and I are holding and talking came from a mineral from Africa, mm. everything. But we have this, this, we've been trained and indoctrinated that the world has to save Africa. And it's like, no, 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 Africa has been saving the world. Like that's what from that's what's always been happening. And so what it became was I have an opportunity to where it's like, let's tell a story where we talk about the these men that have been taken because one of the biggest things was so many of these Westerners and Europeans were going into Africa and they were dying and they were coming becoming ill because of the heat, because mm -hmm. of the diseases, because of all these things. And they're like, How in the world are these black people able to endure this heat, this, 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 the, all of these other things. And so what they would do is they would capture them and they would experiment on them because they were trying to hopefully break some type of genetic code that they could then go and pass on to their people to then go in as kind of like an armor to then take over more. Wow. And so this is what the zoo is pretty much about. This is the, how it starts to touch on it, but it's really about, the testament and the battle of the human spirit as us as uh as, as people of color and for me it's it's seed time and harvest again i know i keep saying that but it's again it's a perfect time for today's society because one of the biggest issues that we're always having is that we're so much of our history has been stripped away from us we've uh, so much of what we know to be our history started in 1619 as if before 1619 we didn't have a history like nothing else existed, but we were kings and we were queens and we were innovators and inventors and we were building things. And that's such a beautiful thing to know that you came from something, you know, like we're made in the image and likeness of the creator. We have that genetic makeup. That's what we do. That's who we are. You know, like we are 12 tribes. That's what we are. And so when you really connect with that and you understand that it gives you a sense of pride. It gives you something that you want to stand on. It gives you a sense of urgency. It's like, man, I like, I belong to something that's great. I don't, my history didn't just start in chains, right? Like that's not what my history was. And so for me being able to share this film with the world and be able to talk, it's more about an educational piece, not only to start a dialogue, but to also get us to understand that, yeah, we've gone through so many things, but every single thing that we've gone through, we have endured and we have made popular. We have made famous. You gave us, when you gave us table scraps, we, you created soul food from it. Every, you said that we're going to give you the bare minimum of things. And we took that and you made billions and billions of dollars off of restaurants and this, that, and the third. Because we took what you gave us, which is nothing, 
and look at what we've done with it. And it's always been like that. And we know this as minorities in general. This is from the, the Native Americans to, to the Hispanic community, to the Afri so-called African-American community. You know, this is what we've always done. You give us a little bit of something and we make it a whole meal. We do all of it. And so for me, it's about the empowering of us. You know, and it's about the, we're not just, we're not just these useless things, these useless eaters. And we're, we're feeling as though like, oh, well, you guys all kind of derived from apes. We didn't derive from apes. Like, no, no, we did not do that. Because apes didn't do the things that we were doing. The apes weren't building the things that we were building, castles mm -hmm. and all, right? Like, this is, this is where we came from. And so there's so much pride in that. So the zoo really come, becomes a way for me to start that conversation. It becomes an educational system too. Yeah, there was things that were going on in Germany, but there was also things going on in Africa. And there was a, a, a vested interest for all the countries in the world to be in Africa because the money and the gold and the diamonds and the rubies and the rubber, the, all of Belgium, the castles in Belgium, they were all built based off of the rubber and the money that they got from selling the rubber from the Congo. Wow. You know, millions and millions of Africans were murdered and pillaged so that rubber could be taken out so that they could build. But see, we don't even know that. But see, when we know that, it gives us a sense of pride. It gives us a sense of like, hey, we got we to gotta do better, not only for ourselves, but for educating our, our younger folks to say like, yo, it's not about just being an athlete or being entertainment. Like you guys come, you're a royal priesthood. Like that's who you are. And that's what this becomes about. And so I just have this opportunity with the zoo to kind of start that conversation. And then after that, you know, we'll just see what happens. Man, I, I love everything you said, man. And, and it sounds like such a powerful piece. Like, you're, you're, everything you said was on point, man, without a doubt. Well, I appreciate that. You know, so I'm excited to, uh, I'm excited to share it. I'm excited. You know, it's, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be very, very powerful. It's going to be something, like I said, that a lot of people don't, didn't know. They had no idea that, you know, black people had anything to do. But it's like, we've had everything to do with everything since the beginning. Mm -hmm. Like, so, you know, this is just our way of just beginning to peel back the layers. And my whole hope with this is if you look at this film and you go, I had no idea that that existed, that then you will go, well, what else don't I know? Mm. And then you will start on your own path. And so for all of us, people of color, minorities, all of this to go, man, you guys came from something, you know, like it's not just then here we were and then we were poor and we didn't have anything. It was like, no, before all of that narrative started, we were, we built pyramids and built temples and this is what we did this is who your ancestors did this is what you came from and when that gets ignited you don't care about anything else you don't get into all the fanfare and this and the third because you're like no i have to represent my people you know my ancestors because they didn't they didn't get whipped and build homes here in america that they weren't going to live in and have children and have them sold to other people sold for crocodile bait and all these other things just for me to forget mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like they endured for a reason. And so I have yeah. a responsibility. We have a responsibility to make sure that we shed light on that, but then also capitalize on that emotional state and help teach our younger generation so that they also don't wander around with a lack of identity, you know, and that's what this is all about. Right. Hey guys, we have another special announcement from Vicky Bakery. Not only are they shipping pastelitos nationwide, but now they're, fa they're shipping their famous uh, croquetas nationwide. So make sure to head to vickybakery.com and order some croquetas.
Y'all already know what to do. Y'all enjoy those pastelitos from all, all around the country. Now it's time to get yourself some croquetigas. It's time for yes, that sir. fire. Vicky Bakery, guess who you did this? The next question we have for you. So talk to us a little bit about your book, uh, Mastering the Mind. Uh, so Mastering Your Mind um, was, so I've always had this thing, like I said, you know, very, very connected to the most high. So I spent a lot of time kind of just in, in oneness, I guess, just thinking. Um, and I've always been, uh, like I said, I always like to ask questions, but one of the things was like, I had gone through so many different periods of my life. Like I've gone through the depression and the anxiety and the frustrations and, you know, all the things that, you know, it is to just be a man in general. Right. But then also to be a person of color and all these other things. And, you know, but I've always wanted to never become a victim to any of my circumstances. And I've always wanted to be the person that's like, if I can go through all of these other things, I want to also show that we can come out on the other side and be stronger and better and learn from that. And so mastering your mind was the thing that I was sitting, I was literally sitting in my office and I have always on my Instagram, like every day I would always like write some type of quote that I just was kind of just dropped into me. And so I would just say it. Mm. And so I was sitting there and it was just like, I should write a accumulation of kind of these quotes that I've taken. So I started writing it down. I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. And then it was like, you should expand upon these because it wasn't like I'm just thinking about it. It was like, but let's get a little bit more in depth. And then when the COVID had really kind of been in its peak, I was like, I knew that mentally and emotionally, it was going to be very, very challenging for people because we are so caught up in a rat race 24 seven all the time of, you know, where you got to be here and we got to do this and we have to be here. And we so... And oftentimes as individuals, we're always putting us last, our mental state last. And in the black community, mental, uh, mental illness is like the number one killer, you know, because it's wow. like we have to suppress so many things. And we, especially as men, um, oftentimes we're, we can be very prideful. Like it says in scriptures that we are a hard necked people. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, we just don't, we never, we just, this is just what we do. It's just, it's in our genetic makeup. And it's one thing to know that. And it's another thing to fight against that. And so one of the things I was doing, I was like, well, let's just have a conversation. So I wanted to create um, just this kind of 30 page kind of inspirational thing that people can kind of have a daily meditation on just something that is quick that you can look at and have something to build upon and expound upon. Um, but parlaying that with, um, I've always been a, a very, very big advocate about child sex trafficking and raising awareness for child sex trafficking. Um, and like rape and abuse and children and stuff like that. And it's been a really, really big thing, especially for, again, minorities um, that have been trafficked all over the world, from South America to Haiti, from Africa, you name it. You know, millions of kids go missing every single year, and they don't just fall into a black hole. Mm -hmm. um, and again, you know, the one thing that um, you will always get from me is the truth. Uh, I don't have – I have – no interest in giving you a fluff of something because I don't want to be, because I want to look, be looked at in a certain way. I don't want you to idolize me. I don't want you to put me up on a pedestal because I will let you down at some point just by the mere fact that eventually I will say something that you will disagree with. And when you elevate somebody, the moment you disagree with them, your whole world is shattered, right? And I don't want to do that. I'm like, I just want to live in my truth and I'm just going to say what it is. And one of the biggest things that we don't talk about is child sex trafficking. And it's a real thing. And like it or not, whether we want to say that it exists or not, that's what it happens. And like you all know in Florida, it's very, very big business because you're right there. 
you know, you have a lot of connections to all the islands and to Haiti and to all these other things. And it really is a Mecca, you know, as well, um, you know, because you're on the coast. Um, and so one of the things that I wanted to do was I was like, you know what? I want to write this book during this time, but I don't not interested in making any money off the book. Like, I don't like what I, I don't care. But what I do want to do is I want to, people to have a conversation about this because these kids don't have anybody right? Like they have nobody that is fighting for them. They have nobody that it's keeping them up at night saying this. And like, here's my thing. This will probably make a lot of people very angry. We will go to the ends of the earth to stand outside of grocery stores and talk about saving whales and saving turtles and all these other things, but won't take five minutes to say, what about the children that are being sex trafficked and abused and that are chained up underground and all these other things? We won't even spend that one minute. And so right. I'm not trying to take away from trying to save the whales, but I'm also saying, I just want my prior, my priorities are a little bit different. Of course, and so yeah. y'all go save the whales. And this is what <laughs> I want to talk about. Um, and that's just the truth. And like I said, I'm just, the truth is the truth. Um, and there needs, for me, I was like, I can use this as a win-win. I can, you know, put this out there for something for people to mentally and emotionally have something to meditate on every day, especially during this time of so much uncertainty and just being stuck in your house. And, you know, when, you, when you're forced to look at yourself in the mirror, it can be very, very scary, especially when you've had to suppress so many things for so long. And now when there's no distractions, there's no sports, there's no this, there's no that. Now it's just kind of like you, you know? And so I wanted to kind of help have this be a guide. And so that's why I started the book with, look, this is all being written from my personal experience. This isn't me giving you an idea or a fluff. I'm an open book. You can ask me anything and I'll answer. And I'll just tell you straight up. It is what it is. Like I've gone through the depression. I've gone through the anxiety. I've gone through the identity crisis. I've gone through all these different things. I've gone from, oh, you look a little bit skinny today. And then that just messes with my head. And then everything that I do is bulk up, bulk up, bulk up. And so wow. every single time somebody has an opinion of you, you're constantly trying to change. And then you, but you're never happy because you're always changing, you know? And I was like, man, what would happen if just for a moment, I just did how I wanted to do. And I just said, I'm just gonna be honest with myself. And if I'm happy, then I'm happy. And if you're not happy about my happiness, that says more about you than it does me. But we get into this, this, this need to need this approval from people. And we're, again, we're seeing this again in these communities again, where I don't need anybody to tell me that I matter. I know that I matter. So I don't need somebody to hold up anything and say, well, Black Lives Matter. I'm a man. I know that I matter. And if I have to tell you in 2020 that I matter, there's nothing we can do. We've already lost the, we've, it's done. There's nothing, we, there's nowhere to go, right? And so I wanted to create this book to be able to have people be able to internally go, what things do I want to work on? Or how much of myself am I giving to other people and how much of my expectations of myself are really because of other people? You know, how many things have I done in my life that I haven't done that I really wanted to do because I didn't want to disappoint somebody else? Oh, well, I really wish you would have just gone to Harvard and done this route. And, but, it, but it's what I wanted to do, you know? And that's really hard for people to kind of stand in that truth. And so I was like, well, let's just write this thing and then I'll put it out there. And then all the money that I get, because the book is like $10, like I don't even promote the book. This is how, it's how ridiculous I am. It's like, I created the book and then I never <laughs> talk about it. Like I never promote it. I just, it is like, it's the links in my bio. I just never talk about it. But then I was like, there's a organization 
that I strongly support called Operation Underground Railroad um, that deals specifically with eradicating child sex trafficking, infiltrating child sex trafficking rings, saving the children, bringing these other you know, predators to justice. Um, and this was something that I was like, I really wanted to support this, especially as I was getting my nonprofit off the ground. And so I was like, well, instead of waiting until the perfect moment, because we don't we always do that? It's like, when I get to this level, then I'll start doing it. It's like, no, yeah. because then there'll never be a perfect time. So like, let's just do this now. And so all the money that I've made from it, I just donated to them. I don't even think about it. It's just, that's where it goes to. Um, and that's what it is. So I wanted to create something that was a 360 win. Um, I take none of the money. I think I take a dollar, but I have to take the dollar because that's the only way I can keep the account open is by oh, wow. having some, you know, right? Like some fee in it. So I don't take any money out of it at all. Um, and that's why it's like only $10. It's like, I wasn't looking to do that anyways, but I just wanted something to where people are like, yeah, I think that $10 is worth my mental health or worth having a different uplifting opportunity. And on top of that, my $10 is going to also helping save these children and having, you know, another opportunity for these kids to, man, <laughs> look, man, the reality of it is, you know, these kids are, are, are devastated by this stuff, you know, and they're broken and they don't have people that are speaking up for them in this way. And they need, when this happens, when they are able to come home, there's a lot of work that has to be done. You know, there's a lot of the integrating back into society and trusting people and what that looks like. And so any way that I can kind of do that is what I wanted to do. And so that's kind of what mastering your mind is about. It's not only about mastering your own mind that you become the manifestations of your subconscious mind and your unconscious mind, but it's like what you can do if you just sit in oneness and you just start to just be who you want to be and just be how you are and see where that gets you. And then that money then also goes to helping a, a really worthy cause, in my opinion. Oh, for sure. No, I look forward to actually like reading the book. Like, I want to thank you like, yeah, for trying to help people, trying to help all those kids that are going through the, like horrible times, man. It's amazing that, like, to talk to someone like you. Well, just, you know, one, one step at a time, you know, it's like, it's all, you know, it's uh, like it says in scriptures, you have to become all things to all men so you might save some. You know, that's really what it's about. It's like, you just try to, you know, you want to, I've always been a thing where if I ever got to a, a position where <laughs> my voice would be heard in a way that was on a bigger platform, if you will, that I wouldn't just be up here talking about nothing. You know, like if you want to talk about sports and all these other things, I there's, you have so many people you can talk to about that. You know, like that's not me. I want to use my time and my energy to really focus on things to like help move things along in whatever capacity that is but also because that's what's on my spirit, you know, and that's all I follow. I don't do anything that's not. And that's why I said, you know, the truth is the truth and you're not always going to agree with me, but at least you'll always be like, well, at least we know where the heck denim stands. You know, like you're never, gonna, <laughs> yeah. you'll never, you'll never have to wonder. You'll never have to be like, well, what he really meant to say was, no, 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 no. <laughs> what he really meant to say is what he said, you know? Yeah. Um, you know? And so, so that's really kind of what all this is. And hopefully this will get other people to then also, feel more comfortable in just standing in their truth and kind of breaking that kind of chain, the mental enslavement, if you will, of constantly being so concerned about how everybody's going to view you. And it's like, look, the, the reality of it is the truth doesn't need a talking point. And so it is what it is. And you either take the truth or you don't take the truth, but it doesn't diminish it from being the truth. Yeah. I just want, yeah. I was going to tell you about that. You know, I appreciate your authenticity because I feel like in today's society, a lot of celebrities or people use their platforms to, mm. to say things that people want to hear, not always the mm. truth. So I appreciate mm. you for saying the truth about certain things. Well, you know, I, it, it, it's a hard, you know, it, 
you know, it, it, there's so many things that go into that, right? And that's the that's the hard part about all of this. It's the, you know, I've had, you know, in full disclosure, you, I've had a lot of people that have messaged me, you know, on social media accounts and privately. They're like, you do realize that if you start talking about this, these things in the way that you're doing, that you may not work again. And it's like, okay, like I don't like what do you, I, what is like what does that mean to me? Like, yeah, if I'm not going to, I never got into the entertainment business because I wanted to be plastered on billboards and do all the, I don't, I don't care about all those things. It's like, I'm doing it because my purpose here on this earth is to be able to affect people and hopefully be able to, to get people to be okay with where they are and who they are. And I just want to tell the truth and that's all I want to do. And I think that that is very, very hard for people, but you know, you have to have people that are doing this. And I remember when I was younger, you know, I think I was probably like six or seven. And because like I said, just talk all the time. You ask me one thing and I'm just on a tangent. And so my family was always like, you know, he's probably going to end up being a minister one day because he just cannot <laughs> stop. You know? And it's always funny because, you know, you always think about ministering in one, like in one way, right? Like you always think of it and you don't realize that there's different ways to minister. You have different platforms in the way that people speak. And that's the whole thing. It was like, it doesn't have to be just one platform or one way that you're getting a message out there. It's like, for me, I have been blessed with the opportunity to be on such a great show like Yellowstone to be able to, you know, get to a place that has allowed me to then get into other projects like the zoo, you know, and be able to take that and flip that into other things. And then has given me the flexibility to create other opportunities and other modes of communication and that's really what I, I just want to do. You know what I mean? And if that means that I'm, I continue to get the opportunity to be an artist in that way, then great. But if not, okay. You know what I mean? Like, I'm also okay with either or because it's like, I've done it. You know, I've done the TV and I've done the film. And, and I'm not saying by any stretch of the imagination for anybody that's listening to this, I'm not at all saying that I don't no longer interested in acting. <laughs> I don't that very clear. Um, but what I am saying is that it's not something that's going to handicap me from, you know, telling the truth and just saying, look, you know, it is what it is. And, you know, somebody has to do it because I have somebody that I answer to and I don't answer to anybody in the flesh. I answer to no man. And I'm much more scared of the most high than I am of any man. Mm -hmm. So that, you know, and that's the reality of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I also wanted to bring up, you know, thank you for, for in your book mentioning and bringing up the issue that is, you know, human trafficking, because mm -hmm. uh, last summer I actually went on a mission trip with my church to Thailand. And I know, in oh, Thailand, wow. yeah, there's a huge issue over there, you know, with, with that same, same thing. And it's sad to wow. see that in, in a lot of different places, you know, parents sell their kids just to make men, like ends meet. So like when you mentioned all that, I'm like, that hit me because like I've, I've been to places where that's a real issue. So I'm like, I love that you brought that up because I feel like it goes under the radar. Like, so often. it's, it's, it's a, you know, because it's a, you know, it's a taboo thing because it's big business. You know, here's the, again, let's just, you know, we're having the conversation and let's have it. You know, the, the reality of child sex trafficking, the reason why it's such big business is because it's a drug that can be used over and over and over again. You know, it's not like you go to Afghanistan, take the opioid, put it in your system, and then it's done. You can continue to recycle these children. And that's the reality of what it is. And like you were saying, you go to Thailand. Last year, I was in India. And, you know, I've always been the person that anytime I go to another country, even though I said I went to Dubai, but I was like in route. Um, I like to see the, the reality of the place. I've always been a person um, that I don't like the fluff of it. Like, I don't want to just 
go and you show me like this is what our all of our culture is and it's this one building and i'm like mm. i'm pretty sure that's not what it is you know like i'm pretty yeah. sure and so like i want to go into the village because that's the dna of the people you know what i mean like the dna of the people is there and like you were saying you know in india it is as well is like not only will they sell their kids but they're selling their kidneys they're selling this and this is all just to put food on the table you know this is all just to for one day to be able to pay for something for one day right that's not even saying oh i'm going to sell my kid and now we have generational wealth which on its own is already bad right but think about how much worse it is to know that you're now selling your child and you're going to have to find something else to sell the next day like th like this is what we're talking about you know and we have we have we have pimped off of these cultures in, in africa and all these other places where we have they have had so much culture stripped away from them and then sold back to them and pimped off of them. And that's one of the things that has always been so sad is because it's like, what about these children? We just don't, we just decide that because they come from a country that don't speak our language. Well, the language in America was one of the last languages anyways. Like, mm -hmm. so this whole notion that was like, oh, well, they're all uneducated. What are you talking about? Before your language was their language. Just like for the African-Americans, we weren't speaking English before. When we were in Africa, we were speaking Hebrew. Like this oh, is what, this, these are the things that were happening. You yeah. know, we were speaking Hebrew and that language was broken, right? Because you come over to a new land and you're forced to speak a new tongue. But when you're not speaking the new tongue, you're told that you're uneducated, you know? And so these are the things that get into the society where it becomes easy to disregard somebody. Oh, well, this person got killed. Well, you know, they had gotten arrested because they sold marijuana back in the 80s. It's like, so therefore their life doesn't matter. Like, oh, well, is it, yeah, it was a kid in India, but you know, they're poor anyways. What, like, what is, like, that's the, that, that's the problem. The problem right. is that you have become so isolated and so spoiled that you have lost your ability to empathize with human behavior. And you feel as though because you've never done that and you've never had to gone through that, that somehow it doesn't matter because they're going to die anyways on the side of the road. And it's like, so you just decide that they don't mean anything. And that these are those types of things that it's like, if we're not going to have a conversation, I don't want to just pay lip service, right? Like, I don't want to just say, Oh man, dude, that's, you know, it's really sad and that sucks. And then it doesn't affect you, you know? And if it doesn't affect you, then it doesn't affect you, but don't tell me it does. If you're not going to do anything about it, if you're not even willing to talk about it, if you're not even willing to say, yeah, what should we be doing and what could we be doing to actually help eradicate as much as we can? Because like I said, I know that you can't save every child. It's an impossible thing, right. but I would rather save one than save none. Yeah. No, for now, sure. Even one life is a, is a huge difference, man. Like, it's you know, it, especially when it comes to a child, man, you know, it's like, these are, you know, it's the, it's the innocence of them. And you know, they don't, they don't have a choice. They didn't, be, they didn't ask to be brought into this world. They didn't ask to be birthed. They didn't ask for any of it. And, you know, it's my, I feel like it's my responsibility to when you know better, you do better. Um, and, you know, it's one thing if you just say, oh, I didn't have the information. Well, after you, you know, watch this interview and you watch all these other things, you don't have any other reason to say, oh, I just didn't know. You know, now you know, and now you're going to make a conscious decision to either do something about it or not do something about it. Mm -hmm. But either way, I've done my job. Definitely. 
Yeah. So where, where can we find your book? Is it, can we find it anywhere or is there like a certain place we could yeah, find so it? So I have it. Um, it's, uh, if you go to my Instagram, which is at denim Richards, um, it's the same thing on every platform. And it's just, it's the link is in my bio. I can also, if you guys email me, I can also just, I'll just send it to you guys and then you guys can put it out however you want to. I'll send you a link. Um, but the link is in my profile. Um, and like I said, you put it in there and then usually once a week, um, I go and donate, um, to operation underground railroad. Um, like once a week and the thing is it's like I posted a thing like a couple weeks ago of showing people like here's all the money that I made from the account and here it is going to operation but then there's also part of that too where it's like I don't want people to then tell me look how good and sweet you are by doing it so it's mm -hmm. like I'm always in this catch 22 where I'm like <laughs> I don't want anybody to tell me like oh thank you so much and x y and z but then I also don't want people to think that I'm not doing what I'm saying right um, so I always feel that so then I just don't promote it Right, because I'm like I don't know what to do. Um, but the link is in my bio. The link is in my bio. All the money goes to Operation Underground Railroad. Um, you know, and I'll send you guys the link as well. You know, and I just I want it to be something where hopefully it helps. But just know that even if for you for whatever reason you decide that you can't find one page out of the whole thing that you're not affected by, just know that your ten dollars is going to a worthy cause of people that are actively have given up their entire lives to only focus on one thing is to dedicate their entire lives to saving his children. That's uh, amazing. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, then I'm, so we're pretty much close to wrapping it up. We have about three more questions to go. Um, yeah, let's do it. And hopefully you're cool talking about this too. Um, but at the end of the day, we are a, a sports channel, a sports community. So Come we on. wanted to ask you, are you a big sports fan? If you do, if you are, what is your favorite sport? And do you have a favorite athlete? Okay. So, uh, I, um, I am naturally an athlete or whatever. So I always, I grew up playing basketball and all those hey. other things. And probably even still to this day, I, I could don't want to play me one-on-one. -on -one. I'll still give somebody this work. Even with, <laughs> even, with both, hey. even with both, even with two torn ACLs, I'll still give oh, them man. one. Uh, but uh, yeah, so basketball was my, basketball was my, my, was my sport back in the day. I'm now, Here's the thing now, I, I have, I'm not a, um, like, I'm not a fan. And when I say a fan, like, I don't, I'm not connected to a team, mm -hmm. but I appreciate the work ethic because like when you're, you know, in any job, when you realize how much it takes to be in the job, like for you guys, you have to get in there, you have to do the research, you have to be able to, you know, figure out how this person likes to talk and what they like to talk about and you know, how much do I need to kind of lead them on before letting them take over, right? Like, you have to focus on other people. And so when you realize that's a job, you appreciate other people that are also doing that type of work, right? And Definitely. so for me, that's, that's kind of how I am. Like, I watch, you know, I'll watch football and I'll watch basketball, you know, and I just appreciate watching men that have been able to master their athletic ability, you know, and their peakness and their competitive nature. Um, so back in the day, I guess my favorite, oddly enough, which is so boring, everyone's like, really? Uh, but back in the day, I grew up like a fan of the San Antonio Spurs. Mm. And the reason why is because, number one, it was like I was always about fundamentals. I was always about defense. You know, and that was always the way. I was like really, really short um, when I was younger. And so the only way that I could ever get on a basketball court and stay on the basketball court was if I played defense, that I would always end up guarding the best player. And so I remember when I was growing up watching the San Antonio Spurs, that Greg Popovich and everybody, they were always about defense first, 
defense. You had the Admiral. You had all these at Avery Johnson. You had all these people that were like, they're just dogs. You know, right. Bruce Bowen, just a dog. You know, and I always loved that. Like, I was always a person that's like, yo, just give me some dogs and let's go. Like, I don't need, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't need to, oh, look at me. I'm splashing all these other things. I just want to say, you don't exist anymore in this game. You know what I mean? Like, that's the type of person. So anybody that does that, that's what I'm about. Like, I'm about, and especially in this new realm of NBA where it's like, 145 to 130 it's like an all-star game every time yep. you know I'm, I'm you know I grew up on it where it was like 84 76 you know it's like yeah. you know but it felt like every possession meant something you know not just like okay I'll tune into it five minutes you know into the fourth quarter you know or before you know five minutes so you know and for the NFL I think that's why I, I started gravitating more to the NFL in certain ways because it was like it's a truncated period of games. Mm. You realize like every game really does matter. Um, yeah. So again, for the NFL, a major Seattle Seahawks, you know, hey. uh, fam, why? Again, defense, like try me. <laughs> like that was the whole game <laughs> the boom. And that thing, like, where, where were you going? You weren't going anywhere. You yeah. guys are going to get, your run game is going to get 70 yards a game. Maybe if we decide, like depending on how bored we are, you may get 70, <laughs> you know, you may get 70 yards. You know, and you may score 10 points, maybe, but we'll let you know, you know, and I just, I love that. I love seeing that frustration. Uh, and that's how I am. It's just like taking whatever your plan is and saying your plan doesn't exist. Hey, um, so, yeah. <laughs> so big Seattle, I was a big Seattle Seahawks fan and I still enjoyed this, you know, I still enjoy Seattle. I still watch them play because I still love Pete Carroll's dedication to playing defense, you know, um, never been like a, oh, I need a lot of offense. I've just, I've always been like that. Um, so anybody that wants to do that, I I'm probably going to support you. So I'm not a bandwagoner. I just enjoy the competitive nature. If you want to, if you want to show me some dogs, show me some dogs. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Well, I'm gonna give you my completely biased opinion. All right. Come on, come on. <laughs> you said you like work ethic and you say you like defense. Come so on. I'm gonna give you a personal invitation to join heat nation because yeah. Miami heat. <laughs> I feel like right. your style of basketball. Yeah, they do. You're right. They have, especially when, especially once they got the, you know, once they got Jimmy Butler, like hey. it changed. It came from, because, you know, Miami does, they have that flair. They have that, you know, like, you know, you, but when he came in, he brought an entirely different style of it where it was like, this fire is going to be in a different type of thing mm -hmm. where we're just going to a lot of people. And so you're absolutely right. And it shows based off of when he was in Chicago, that that's what he was doing. And the reason why he didn't fit into Minnesota was because that's not what they're about. It's a younger right. generation of kids. You yeah. know, it's they're like, yo, we're just talented. So we'll just shoot the ball and we'll be fine. And it's like, that's not going to win games, right? Like, because, and even, and you, we've all seen this if you're a sports fanatic in any way, when you have Lob City, it's especially out here with the Clippers. Yeah. Everybody, year after year, the Clippers, Clippers, and I would tell them the same thing they'll never win a championship. And I was like, why? Because defenses don't care during the regular season. They'll let you alley-oop and all this stuff. Now you get into a seven-game series, that's gone. You're not yeah. going to get that. Yeah. Like that we, we go and go ahead and take that away. So I'm a person that's like, it travels. And like what you guys are doing, what you with the Heat have been able to do, especially before the season was done, it was like that junk was traveling. And then on top of that, you didn't want to come to Miami and play. You know what For I'm real? saying? Like yeah. you didn't want you don't you didn't want that type of smoke. So I definitely I, I would definitely one hundred percent agree with you and cannot say I don't even know if there's probably two other teams that probably are doing it better on a more consistent basis, like night in and night out. So so I rock with you on that one hundred percent. 
Hey. <laughs> hey, for sure. Dope, man. Yeah, we would love to have you part of Heat Nation, man. <laughs> Come on, man. Come on. Well, well, eventually, you know, when all this junk opens up, hopefully I'll be able to get out there and we can link up and actually go to a game. Hey, that'd it, be dope, man. It, yeah, it's been it's sure. been a, it's been it's been a while since I I've been to Miami, so you know, it, that, sure. that's what's up out there. Y'all know how to do it right. Sounds hey, great, man. <laughs> we'll make know. it happen. <laughs> for sure, we will, we, we will, we will, we will. <clears throat> All right. So, so the next question I have for you here is: What are you, some of your favorite things in life, like such as like hobbies or? Like... Hobbies. Um, okay. See the, again, big, biggest hobbies. Uh, I am a. Uh, I watch a lot of documentaries, very, very big documentary guy. Um, I spend a lot of time watching documentaries and I spend an awful lot of time reading scripture as well. Um, I've been in this, uh, I, like I tell people all the time, like the last month and a half, I've been under like spiritual maintenance, if you will. Um, just trying to get much more grounded, much more centered, much more honest. Uh, Cause I think so much of, I had realized, and this is one of the things about the like, coronavirus and shutting everything down. You, you get pulled in so many different directions all the time and you spend so much time, time to, tr so much time trying to appease everybody else. And then you're like, but I'm not connected. I don't feel full. I don't feel true. I don't feel honest. I feel like I'm just a vessel roaming around, you know? And so I've always been a thing. Like I enjoy doing that. I'm like a nerd. My Friday, like my Friday and I got practiced the Shabbat. So it's Friday evening, Saturday evening. I don't do anything. I just chill. I'm reading. I rest, I'm outside and I just rest and I just meditate on the word and I just, that's where I'm at, you know? And then for the other things, you know, I'll go and back in the day during the season when I'm uh, shooting Yellowstone, I don't play basketball, but I, you know, I work out all the time. You know, like one of the parts of this was like, I created my, a little home gym for me. It was something I always wanted to do. Um, mm -hmm. So I did that, you know, so I'm very, very big. I started a garden. Uh, and so like, mm -hmm. these are all these like strange things that people are like, uh, but you do the TV thing. I'm like, I know, but that's just what I do. That's not who I am. Like, my who is not my do and vice versa. You know, like, I'm, I'm, I'm a huge home buddy. Like, I, like, I love being around just family. Because it's, like, it's about just real, man. You know what I mean? Like, I think that one of the things that I really have appreciated in life is, like, how important family is and connection and, and love and, you know, that support system. Because good, bad, or indifferent, whether or not you're successful or not successful. And, again, like I said in the beginning, coming full circle, whatever your idea of success is, is what's unique to you. I don't tell you, like, I, just because you may think that I'm successful doing what I'm doing, but I'll look at you and be like, no, you're successful. Like, I look at so many other people and I'm going, man, you spend your entire time just talking about the truth. That's success. Like, to me, that's the success. And I want to do more of that. So I spend a lot of time, like, those are types of my types of hobbies. Like, I just want to, I'm always under spiritual maintenance. I'm always under mental maintenance, you know, and I'm, you know, like I said, I've, I've been, I'm building right now, I'm building a, my nonprofit out um, and doing that. So that's kind of what I spend a lot of my hobbies doing because for me, I'm a servant, you know what I mean? And so yeah. it's like, I, I spend time and I, you know, I can go and have fun and do bowling and all those other things. But, you know, I, I do the things that I enjoy and I love gardening. I love being outside. I love getting the sun, letting, that, letting the sun hit my skin and getting that melanin going. You know what I mean? Have that junk popping because I, I, I feel so good and I feel just so blessed. And so being able to then be on platforms and like talking to y'all, like this, I enjoy doing that. Like I love being able to have my, my acting be a, a segue, but then having it just be a segue into the larger topics. And that's what I really enjoy doing. Like I love being able to help 
like educate and share my experiences, my testimonies and my things like that, because I want other people to know like, man, don't, no matter what your circumstances, no matter what your situation is, like you can always be greater than your circumstance. And it's really just about you locking into that mentally, emotionally, and spiritually so that you can bring yourself out of that. And if I can help in any way, then that's what I want to do. And so that's what I enjoy doing. That's oh, awesome to hear, sure. man. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, yeah, that, that, that is what it is. It's not a, you know, it's not a turn up. But you know what the good thing about it is? It keeps you away from a lot of people that you don't need to be around anyways. You know what I mean? Like, that's really what I've really realized is that once you start to become very honest with yourself, you start to realize how many people you're around just because you had a, one thing to do in common, even though mm -hmm. that thing may have been destructive or not, but how much time you labor to keep that going. And you're like, at the end of it, you're like, we've kind of been doing the same thing for three or four years. When do we do something different? Or like, when are we growing? When are we as men also feeding into each other and saying, look, like we're not perfect, but we should always be striving to do something better and holding ourselves to a higher standard and doing all these other things. And so that's kind of what you try to be. And I try to lead by example. And because of that, it takes a certain level of discipline, you know? And I'm like, well, I'm always up for a challenge. And so anytime that there's a new challenge, I'm like, all right, cool, let's do it. You say, I can't try me, you know? <laughs> and, you know so, 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 you know, so that's what it's all about, man. Yeah. I love that. That's something I've been trying to live by as of late. Like when, when life throws challenges your way or, or something like that, like just try to embrace it, you know, don't, yeah. don't try to get upset or like get down by it. Like just yeah. try to try be, to live it out. Be, and get don't be it. a victim. You know, yeah. it's, it's a thing of like you, you know, Life was never supposed, it says in scripture, the world's been given over to the wicked. So it's not supposed to be perfect. And we knew that it was never going to be perfect. You know, it's only this idea that we are like, we want it to be perfect because we don't want to have to work. You know, what I mean? like, yeah. we don't want to have to go through emotional ups and downs. But that's the only way that you really get to see how powerful you are is being able to see how much you're able to endure. And again, like coming full circle, it's like when you see what your ancestors have gone through, look at how easy your life is. You know what I mean? Like, when, you know, when I was, when most people that are 20 years old and all these other things back in the day, y'all were out, you know, married, having kids, having full responsibilities, having to, to dig and guard and all these other things. And now most people, you sit up at home and you're playing video, video games, ordering pizza, doing your thing. It's a completely different world, mm -hmm. you know? So it's like, we have to be able to embrace these challenges and it's not be like, oh, well, life's not fair. Well, life is never supposed to be fair. It's yeah. about you being able to endure until the end. And that's what this is about. And if we can endure to the end together, and instead of me sitting here going like, you know, don't, don't mix up what my message is because you're trying to see fault in the messenger. That's not what this is about. This is about like, look, you have a story to tell. You have things that you've gone through. You mean somebody, something to somebody and they need to hear what you've gone through, you know? And that's really what it's about. And when you embrace that, and you say like, oh, I'm embarrassed to talk about this, or oh, what if they look at me like that? Who cares? What does it matter? Like, you know, what does it matter? Just say what you're gonna say. And of course you do it in a tactful way, and of course you do it, but you do it in the way that you want to do it. Otherwise right. somebody else will do it for you, and then you have no control over it. So as long as you can embrace that, man, it's such a beautiful thing. Absolutely, man. All right, Denim, we finally made it to the last question. So let's do it. Where do you hope to see yourself in five years? <laughs> we're, ending, we're ending you with a, with a deep one. <laughs> uh, man, that is, there's so many things. Well, I mean, I'll just be honest. I'll say the first thing. I think my, my, in five years, I think I would probably like to be 
more uh, committed to doing what we had in this conversation. Okay. I think it, it's more so about really being able to probably travel more around the world and really talking about, and again, like I said, I don't want anybody to take this, comp, this, this, this interview out of context. Like, well, Denim just got on the thing and just said he doesn't want to be an actor anymore. He said, I'm not saying that, but also it's also the trap that you fall into think that that's all there is. You know, like my thing is, it's like, I have, I've been so tremendously blessed by the most high in that way to where it's like, I don't want to say, Oh, I have to get to this level and get to this level when there's people that could use you right now, you know, there's people you could affect right now. And so if there's anything that I can do is I, I want my nonprofit safe stage to be able to, to grow and to be able to, to affect more people and to grow bigger. But I also want to be able to take more of that responsibility and share more of my testimony and talk about more of that and spend more time in living rooms and in classrooms and in these different ways. Because I, it, to me, I've always been a thing with the children. I've always been a thing about, you know, our next generation. And I can't sit here and be a person that's like, well, I would like my kids to grow up in a society of this, but what did you do to change that? So right now it's like, if I don't have kids yet, but I will at some point, Lord's willing, you know, that I want them to be able to grow up in the most conducive environment that I would want to see fit. And so one of the things that I want to do every single day and hopefully in five years, I would just like to be doing what I'm doing now, but just, you know, on a, on a much grander scale, if you will, but still keeping the same essence of what it is, but just having a much more broader reach and meet more people that want to actually have truthful conversations and honest conversations and, you know, just be real, you know, cause I think we need more of that. I just think people to just say like, yo, just we're adults. Let's just shoot it straight. You know? And I shoot from the hip. Sometimes people are going to like, it and some people won't, but I'm not for everyone. And I don't want to be, you know? Mm -hmm. So that like, that's, that's the truth this is the truth. That's, that's where I'd like to be. I love that, bro. That's, that's awesome. So, all right. So before we let you go, so we have a, tra a tradition here on TSF Talk. So my family owns like like a large uh, chain of Cuban bakeries here in Miami. Okay. okay. So we would love to send you like some, some pastries. We call them pastelitos okay. here. And, okay. and some croquetas. We'd love to send them to you. <laughs> Please. That would be awesome, man. That would be so amazing. I lo absolutely love that. You know, and you know, because y'all do make some of the best food flavorings and all those other things because you have to remember... <laughs> we're all connected in, in this way before all that it's like we came from different nations but we all came on the same ship we just got dropped off to different continents and different places you know so anytime that i get to experience that true authenticity please that you 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 got the right number send it my way please not for oh. sure yeah yeah the bakery's called vicky bakery and yeah we look forward to you enjoying some stuff man <laughs> yeah please and then make sure that if you guys have a handle and all these other things please like let me know because i'd love to shout you out and like I'm all about like this, especially during these times, like we got to support those. You have to support those businesses and those real ones that are actually like, this is what you do. This is the sweat. This is the blood. This is the, you know, like this is the love. And this mm -hmm. is another, another way of being able to share your experience and your culture is through food, other people through entertainment, you know? So anytime that I get to experience more of that culture and more of y'all's vibe like that, like, please, I, I'd be absolutely honored to have that experience and share that experience with you guys. Nah, thank you so much. That means a lot, man. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> no, please. Thank you, guys. And I look forward to, you know, seeing how this interview and seeing what people think. And I hope that anybody that watches this thing, please hit me up and talk to me because I'm not a person that's going to say this and then go run into a cave and be like, nobody talked to me. No one challenged me on my opinions. <laughs> we can have a conversation. We can talk about it. You know what I mean? Because that's what it's about. It's not 
I'm not in a cult. I don't need you to agree with me. I just want you to be willing to want to have a conversation. Right. I love that, man. For sure. Thank you so much for everything, Denim. Had a blast, man. man. No, thank, thank you guys. You guys have a great one. Stay safe. You know, I'll be, I'll be praying for y'all out there and have a good one. Thank you, man. Likewise, stay safe and God bless, man. Hope to stay in touch with you. All right. Shalom. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Remember to subscribe and rate TSF Talk on all the listening platforms that we're available on. Yeah, guys, TSF Talk is available to listen on so many different platforms. Um, we're so thankful for that. Be sure to check us out on Pocket Cast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Overcast, Radio Public, and now Stitcher. We appreciate you guys from wherever you listen. Um, and yeah, all these platforms are really great. So thank you guys. Yes, sir. All right, guys, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed our interview with, with Denim Richards. And remember to check him out on Instagram and Twitter at Denim Richards. And remember to watch him June 21st on Paramount uh, with the season three premiere of Yellowstone. Yeah, guys, thank you guys again for listening. We, we really appreciate it. We appreciate all the love and support. Um, it's your boy, Blee. Yes, sir. It's your boy, Rob. And peace out. Hey. Yeah.